Welcome to the Abundant Life Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Russ Cordell. For more information about Abundant Life Church, please visit www.abundantlifechurch.org. I'm going to open up this morning. If you want to turn in your Bibles, and, and uh, you can remain seated if you'd like. Have you turned in the Word to Mark chapter 9. Thank you for standing if you feel to reverence the Word of God. I'm going to read part of this passage and then I'll have you be seated and then finish off. Mark chapter 9, starting at verse 17. 9 and 17. I want to talk to you this morning about accepting, it's a key word, accepting the power of prayer. We are in a place in our nation right now, I've put it out on social media, I've sent it out in several places, I've connected with many of you, the clarion call has gone out. Now is the time for deep and powerful intercessory prayer for our nation. Not a time to fuss, not a time to get into arguments on social media, not a time to divide, it is a time to go to the Lord in powerful intercessory prayer and fasting. Mark chapter 9 and 17 starts this way. It says, And one of the multitude answered and said, Master, I have brought unto thee my son, which hath a dumb spirit. It's very important you understand that it's a dumb spirit. Why is that important? Because most of the time in what was traditionally understood, even in the Jewish tradition then, when someone captured captured by a demon, someone possessed in that way or affected that way, those demons had a voice. They spoke out. And you've you've seen it in the word of God. Jesus would call them out. They'd be called out by name. I want to know your name. name is Legion, and he would cast them out, and and so they would identify themselves. They knew what they were dealing with, is what I'm trying to say. How many are looking out into what's going on through your TV sets and your phone screens and saying, what in the world is affecting our country right now? What in the world is raging through these cities that's causing all of this? Perhaps it's a dumb spirit. We can't get it to speak. We can't get it to identify itself. We're getting frustrated. We're, we're trying to grapple, grapple with this idea of what's going on. This, had a, this boy had a dumb spirit. It wasn't speaking. And, who, and wheresoever he taketh him, <clears throat> excuse me, he teareth him, and he foameth and gnasheth with his teeth and pineth away. And I spake to thy disciples. Now this is the father speaking now. He says, I spake to thy, thy, thy disciples that they should cast him out, and they could not. Why did he go to the disciples? Why didn't he go right to Jesus? He certainly did in this occasion, right? Why was Jesus second round? Why was, why was he not there immediately to the master? He said, I spake to thy disciples that they should cast him out, and they could not. And he answereth him and saith, O faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I suffer you? Bring him unto me. And they brought him unto him, and when he saw him straightway, the spirit tear him, and he fell on the ground and wallowed foaming, and he asked his father, how long is it ago since this came unto him? And he said, of a child. I want you to know, you're going to bring some things that are get real close to Jesus, and when they get real close to Jesus is when they really start to fight and grapple. I don't want to deal with that situation. You bring the Holy Ghost to somebody, and they're going to fight you. Things aren't going to settle right. It's going to work against the spirit that's within them, the spirit of this world, the spirit of our flesh, our pride, and our will. Those things aren't going to work real well as you bring Jesus closer to them. And he said of a child, and oft times it hath cast him into the fire and into the waters to destroy him. Listen now, but if thou canst do anything, 
have compassion on us and help us. He was still unsure if Jesus could even do anything. In other words, what he was saying there is, and if he can't do anything, at least have compassion on us. Help me in some way. He still wasn't sure. He was still doubting in his mind. How many of us have prayed? How many of us have addressed that situation and said, I know Jesus did it for somebody else. I know he can do it. I've seen the miracles. I just don't know if he'll do it for me. How many people have left that doubt that God will really do this through you? That's what was happening with this man. You can be seated this morning. Accepting the power of prayer. Accepting that this is real. Accepting that you specifically can see these things happen. Verse 23 goes on to say, Jesus said unto him, If thou canst believe, all things are possible to him that believeth. We hear that all the time. We hear those words. Just believe and everything's possible. With Jesus, all things are possible. And straightway the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe Help thou mine unbelief. So he's declaring his belief. In other words, just what I said. I've seen it. I know you can do it. But why can't I get it for me? Why can't I understand that this is going to happen for me and my child? That's what we deal with. That's the breaking point. That's the the, the precipice that we stand on today as a church, as Holy Ghost-filled, powerful people that God can work with. We're at that moment. We're at that place in time where we're looking at Jesus and we're saying, I believe. I know you can do it. I've seen it happen. But I just can't believe it for me. I'm struggling right here. Many of you have spent time in prayer. Some of us sometimes as we're coming up and we're growing in this thing, we pray because we know we're supposed to, but some, I've had people say to me, I've prayed so long, I never hear anything. I don't hear anything, it doesn't work. I just feel like I'm doing something out of obligation. I don't see things happen. But I'm here to tell you today, there is a point, there is a place. If you press on, if you keep moving, if you keep moving forward, staying faithful, talking to Jesus, look at him and say, Lord, I believe, but what about mine? Help thou, mine, unbelief, because I want to do this. I want to be powerful for you. And if you press and you continue on and you just keep pushing through and make that prayer more powerful. You see, I'm sorry, you see me up here all the time. Week after week, I'm encouraging, I'm pulling, I'm dragging. Come on now, let the fetters off. You've heard me say it, take the shackles off. Why? Why is he saying that? Because I know I see a group of powerful, incredible Christian people who are like that close, that close from getting a hold of this thing and breaking the bonds of this father who couldn't understand Stand why he couldn't believe. You're that close. You're that close. And if we light this fire up and you get a hold of this thing and more and more of you begin to become like that, that, th- this breaking point and you start to really see things happen, you're going to be powerful in the kingdom. The world could be tearing itself apart and you'll stand strong and say, I serve the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He that is within me, capital He, remember last week? He that is within me is greater than he that is in the world. Praise the Lord. Help thou mine unbelief. When Jesus saw that the people came running together, he rebuked the foul spirit, saying unto him, Thou dumb and deaf spirit, I charge thee, come out of him and enter no more into him. And the spirit cried and rent him sore and came out of him and he was as one dead insomuch that many said he is dead. 
Imagine his unbelief at that point. Well, this didn't work out in my favor very well, did it? Spirit's gone, but my son is dead. Verse 27. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up, and he arose. And when he was come into the house, his disciples asked him privately, why could we not cast him out? How many of you have asked yourself that question? I prayed for this person. Why couldn't I help him be healed? Why couldn't I help them with that issue, that depression or that addiction or that challenge in their finances or whatever it may be? Why can't I do it, Lord? And he said unto them, this kind came forth by nothing but by prayer and fasting. How is the right level of faith cultivated? By spiritual discipline, prayer, and fasting. See, back in Mark chapter 3, if you look at Mark 3 and 14 and 15, it says that he ordained the 12 and that they should be with him, that he might send them forth to preach, what does 15 say, and to have power to heal sicknesses and to cast out devils. He gave them that earlier in the walk, and they couldn't figure out why they couldn't do it. They were doubting. They were struggling. And he gave them the simple answer. Pray and fast. Well, pastor, I pray. I pray all the time. I want to talk about a new place. Accepting the power of prayer is a new place. You see, the Bible says, it says in Scripture, we've got to pray without ceasing. People say, well, that's impossible. I have a job. I, I, I have all kinds of things I have to do during the course of the day. But I want to expose you to some ways that you can begin to empower yourselves with the ability to do this. The, the ability to take on, accept the power of prayer. I want to tell you, and I am not bragging, all glory goes to God. But I have been pushed and trained and taught and, 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 and just encouraged and, and taught and ministered to over the years to the point, now I'm not saying <laughs> mountains are moving or, or, or things like that, at least not physical ones. But I want to tell you, I have had the experience of being able to take something in hand and immediately pray for it and watch things happen right in front of my eyes and marvel at the power that God has within his spirit and the authority that he gave me in his name. It's humbling. It's literally brought me to my knees. I, I, I've had events where I, I've just seen God do miraculous things, take hold of bad situations. I... I, I one time I worked a job and there was just a terrible, terrible person in this job that I had to interact with all the time. And I won't get into a lot of detail, but I remember every work, every day going to work knowing that I was going to get into the situation. It was going to be blah, 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 blah. And, and all of this terrible stuff. He was just mean and horrible and wicked and evil to everybody. And I, could, I just couldn't take it anymore. And I got to the place where I was, I was leaving my car in the parking lot and I was walking up to the building, praying in the spirit, praying in the spirit, walking up to the building. To the point where I would get to the door of the building and I would lay my hand on the door and I'd say, in Jesus' name. And I cannot tell you how many times I would walk into that building and that guy would be stone cold shut up. God subdued that spirit. And eventually I never had to interact with him again. That's just one example 
We're prayer in action. And so when it happens one time, it fuels the fire for it to happen again. And it drives you and say, God, I want to be used by you. I want to see some things happen. You know why I love altar service so much? Because I, from the time I was a kid, back at Old Elam, you know, 16 years old, our youth group, and playing, praying for one another and, and being taught and trained years at, at, at junior camp with Sister Englehart being taught how to work the altar and, and just try and try and try and pray for people and want to see God filled and get a little frustrated, a little frustrated. But all of a sudden, one day, God said, I want to use you. And to see that person just suddenly filled with a spirit and just and, and praising and worshiping and you see them break and God fill them with a the spirit as they begin to speak in other tongues as the spirit gives them utterance and the waves of that spirit pouring over them. And, and it's just, it's, it's almost too much to stand. I've just, I've just fallen to my knees at time and just said, thank you, God, for using me. Why? Because I was taught, I was trained to press forward, to keep praying and fasting. God, use me. God, use me. I want to be powerful in the kingdom by your name, by your spirit. 19th century Scottish historian, Sir Alex Fraser Teitler, developed a theory or a process or a model, if you will, what he called the cycle of freedom or the cycle of democracy, or some call it the cycle of nations. And the cycle of nations goes like this. A nation is born from being in bondage. United States of America. We were in bondage to King George. We were struggling with taxation and conflict. And there's a period where we move from that bondage, we find liberty, and we find uh, uh, spiritual, excuse me, uh, we're moving towards liberty, we find spiritual faith. The founding fathers brought their godly principles here. I've got a book this thick at home, hundreds and thousands of quotations from our founding fathers and, and people that operated in government and the founding of our nation, praising God, quoting God, quoting scripture. This is a Christian nation, and it was founded on Christian principles. People will fight you on that. They'll defend it. They'll turn, oh, no, Thomas Jefferson said this. Let me show you a book of quotes. So spiritual faith grows, and and, then courage begins to build, and they were uniting together, and then suddenly the Revolutionary War, and they find their liberty, and soon after liberty, you find abundance, and and, and things begin to grow and and, and just flourish, and trade, and and, and Louisiana Purchase, and all the things that happened that brought America together, but soon after abundance, people began become selfish. It's part of the cycle. He analyzed nation after nation after nation, civilization, after abundance, we become selfish. In other words, we've got all this stuff, so then we've got to focus on that stuff because we've got to maintain the stuff and we've got to watch over the stuff. You know, a lot of problems that people are having out there with all this stuff going on is because their stuff is in danger. I talked about it on Wednesday night. We've got to lift up our eyes above all of that. We've got to look on the hearts and souls of people. I don't care what they're doing or what they're saying. Jesus Christ was being torn apart with a cat of nine tails, nails driven into his hands and feet. And he looked at these people doing that very thing and said, forgive them, Father. They know not what they do. Selfishness driving us. Well, after selfishness, we've got all the things we need. We've got all the abundance we have. We focus on what we want. And then complacency sets in. I don't need to worry about all of this. Somebody else is going to worry about that. Somebody else is going to take care of that. You know, that stuff isn't happening here in Economwalk. It's not happening in McGuanago or, or Delafield. Yet, after complacency, he says apathy sets in. We just don't care anymore. I got what I need. I got all the groceries I need. Got my internet. Got my TV. Right? Got my toys. Got all my belongings. 
So I just don't care. Somebody else will take care of it. And then from apathy, we move to dependency. I've heard it estimated that somewhere in the neighborhood of 51% of this nation's population is in some way dependent on government assistance or government support. They're dependent on the United States government for their sustenance. It doesn't matter what reasons. There are, there are very, very legitimate reasons for that. And many people that need that, and we should do that, and it's part of the operation of the government. However, when a nation gets to the place where more people are drawing from the government, public funds, it's strange the people that are continuing to work and produce and do in the country. And so the further you go down that road, obviously it's not sustainable. And after dependency, you move back into bondage. I looked this up again. It's, it's basically, we're on that spot between, bondage, or between dependency and bondage, and we're, we're about right here. The United States of America. Now, Teitler concluded that the average age of the world's greatest civilizations had been 200 years, and that these nations went through this cycle above in that 200-year period. Well, we're a little past that, about 40-some 40, 40 years. I didn't do the math. We're a little bit overdue. Teitler says a democracy can only exist until the voters discover that they can vote themselves largesse, or goodies, from the public treasury. From that time on, the majority always votes for the candidates promising the most benefits from the public treasury, with the results that a democracy always collapses over loose fiscal policy, always followed by a dictatorship. Why am I telling you this? Am I having a political rally this morning? No. Mm -mm. Nope. My God isn't politics. My God is Jesus Christ. And he's given me a commission to go into all the world and seeking to save that which is lost, baptizing in the name of Jesus. We have a commission to do. We have a purpose. We have a reason for being in this room. And it's all going to start with accepting the power of prayer that's within you. We struggle in our prayer because we don't see immediate results or we don't, we don't see what we think God should do in those situations. Prayer is not answered or, it, or it's too hard to believe that it works. Uh, it, it, it's, it's natural within our flesh to deal with that. But we're going to destroy that thought today and we're going to make some prayer warriors. Tomorrow night at 6 o'clock, we're reopening. We had Friday night prayer. Thank you, Brother and Sister Brown. Aaron and Lauren Brown were here Friday night along with Brother and Sister Meyer and myself and uh, opened up prayer for Friday night. Thank you guys for doing that. They approached me, feeling the urge, feeling the need, the responsibility to continue their ministry, and they see what's happening around them. And they were right on top of it. Called me, Brother, Brother Cordell, said, can we open up prayer? We just think now is the time. And I, it, this is truth now. I told you this, Aaron, remember? I said, we were having that discussion that very day about opening prayer. And so on Monday night, uh, we're going to open up. We're going to open up Monday night prayer again and begin this coming Monday night. But this coming Monday night at six o'clock, I want some prayer warriors that are going to come. I want some prairie warriors that are going to rise up. And we're going to pray for our nation. We're going to pray for our mission and for our church and the things that are happening. There's some strongholds that need to come down, and I'm not talking about the strongholds out there necessarily. I'm talking about the ones right up here. We got some strongholds up here that need to come down, some disbelief, some challenges that we can make a difference, that we can be effective. And if you're willing to come here on Monday night, we're going to pray. We're going to pray in the spirit and we're going to pray powerfully and we're going to make some warriors because you're going to see and you're going to feel and you're going to know that God is moving your life. He's going to confirm for you in your mind that you can be effective and you can be powerful in the name of Jesus in your prayer. Okay? Six o'clock tomorrow night, powerful prayer. 
the guy, a couple of the guys, Joel and, and Mike and, and uh, a couple of the guys sent me out this thing yesterday on F- Facebook or a day or two ago, and it was a picture of a guy with a, D- a T-shirt on, and on the back of the T-shirt, it said, Pastor, you saw that? It said, Pastor, because devil-stomping ninja warrior, prayer warrior, or something like that isn't enough. And I said, how do I qualify for that? <laughs> and he said, self-proclaim it. So, you know what? I'm going to be a devil-stomping prayer warrior ninja for Jesus Christ. And I get fired up once in a while. I stomp on the devil's head. You know that. You've seen me do it. But now is the time, as I said, for powerful intercessory prayer for our nation. Hosea chapter 13 and 6 that says, when I fed them, they were satisfied. When they were satisfied, they, because of pride, forgot me. It's a condensed version. God himself, speaking to the prophet Hosea, acknowledged I gave them a lot, and then they got proud, and then they forgot me. Turn to Psalm 107, it's chapter 107 and 28, verse 28. The psalm says this, it says, Then they cry unto the Lord in their trouble, and he bringeth them out of their distress. He maketh the storm a calm, so that the waves thereof are still. Then are they glad, because they be quiet, so he bringeth them into the desired haven. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. Notice it says, then they cry unto the Lord. What is that? That is prayer. That's powerful prayer. They were seeking God, and he brings a calm to the storm. If you need a calm in the storm of your life right now, if you need to be able to see above and beyond what you're seeing on CNN and in your newspapers and on the radio, I need to tell you that today that we've got a job to do, and that is to call on the Lord. We go to prayer in this situation. We lift up our eyes above all of that, and we look to the compassion that we need to have for what's happening in our nation. The basic forms of prayer are praise, petition, which you see in the Word of God is called supplication. You ever see where it says prayer and supplication? Supplication is petition. It's asking God for things. A lot of times the reason we don't have what we need or have what we want or have what is needed in a situation is because we simply don't ask. We just don't ask. Why? Because we're afraid to. We don't want to be selfish. We don't want to be always asking God. God's not our Santa Claus, right? I've heard all that stuff. Oh, you can't just always ask God for things. You got to just pray. You got to worship God. You got to pray for other people. Well, I want to tell you that's true, but you've got to include the ask. We got to be willing to get into supplication. Yes for yourself. Yes for yourself. Ask, and it should be given unto you. Knock, seek, and he shall open, right? Come on now, you've got to be, be willing to ask. We don't ask. What if we all stood up right now collectively in our voices and prayed and cried unto the Lord, God, stop all of this rioting and destruction that's happening in our country right now. Now, what if every single Christian across this nation, every church, stood up and did the same thing at the same time? Do you believe it would happen? Do you believe that suddenly all this would come into a subdued state, that it would stop? Amen. The other forms are intercession. And I've said a couple of times now, powerful intercessory prayer. What is that? That is where we go into a deep level of very strong prayer for something, for a need, for a purpose. And then, of course, thanksgiving is is, uh, uh, the extremely important form of prayer as well. Uh, The great Andrew Murray once said that prayer is not monologue, but it's dialogue. God's voice in response to mine is its most essential part. 
I hear again and again, I pray, but I don't hear from God. There's two ways I know that you can guarantee hearing from God. And one of them is through prayer and quiet. Do your supplications, do your prayers, sit down and list. Many times in my time of prayer, I get after it sometimes. I get pretty riled up and then I'll sit down and I'll literally say out loud to the Lord, Lord, okay, I'm gonna shut up now because I wanna hear from you. I was in here one night praying for my daughter. You guys have heard this story. I'm not going to go over it again. But I prayed and prayed and prayed. I was here for probably two hours, back and forth, praying and, and, and just seeking God. God, please heal her. You know, do what you got to do. Just, I, I can't lose her. You got to take care of her. Don't let this thing happen. And I, I finally got so exhausted, I sat down in that chair right there and I said, okay, God, I'm going to shut up because I need to hear from you now. And I sat there for about 15 minutes and it was total silence, nothing. He gave me nothing. And then I was really discouraged. And I stood up and I began to walk down this aisle with my head hanging low. And right about there, he said, she's going to be all right. I've got her in my hands. Still soft voice. Brother, you want to believe that I'm going to sit and wait and I know that God is directing me and sending me and that he hears my prayer and he activates on my prayer? You know the rest of the story. That's how he works. Corey Tenboom, if you remember her, uh, author of many books, survived the Holocaust in, in Holland. She said, don't pray when you feel like it. Have an appointment with the Lord and keep it. A man is powerful on his knees. I think that's an important point. If you don't have an appointed day, part of the day that, you, that, that is dedicated, you're going to say, this is my prayer time every day, you're missing out something big time. Can I get a warrior that's going to say, yes, Brother Cordell, I'm going to set an appointed time. Anybody got an appointed time? All right. Set your appointed time. Make sure that you meet it every single day. You're going to be powerful in the kingdom. You're going to start to see God move. It's going to take some time, but you're going to see God move in your life if you're not already. Billy Graham once said, the most important parts of prayer are the attitudes in our hearts and our love for the Lord. Let's make sure our attitudes are right about what's going on. We've talked a lot about unity. We've talked about becoming together in, in, in the, the, the singular purpose that God has for us, Right? But our attitudes in our hearts at the time can completely quell. It can kill your prayer. You got to make sure you're ready. The hearts are ready and that you're loving God. He'll show you and you can believe. Turn to 1 Timothy chapter 2. Start right out at verse 1. Many of you know this. Some of you can quote it. 1 Timothy 2 says this, I exhort therefore that first of all, and I'm reading the KJV on this one, supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings, and for all that are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. Is that not speaking directly to today? We've got to pray for the kings, those leaders, those people that are in authority, that we can lead a quiet and peaceable life. I don't want to deal with all that stuff that's going on out there. I don't want to see people hurt and being killed by police officers and, 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 and other people killing them. And I, Nobody wants that. But what's the answer? Supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks made by who? All men. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of, our, of God, our Savior. Do you know God was our Savior? Who will have all men to be saved and to come unto the knowledge of the truth. It says all men, just like I said on Wednesday night. I don't care what they're doing. If they don't know Jesus Christ, he doesn't differentiate what their sins are. It's sin. They need him. 
All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And so those people, whether or not they're doing things wrong or breaking laws or hurting people or whatever it is, they don't have God in their lives. They need compassion from him. All men, it says, for there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus who gave himself a ransom for all to be testified in due time. Whereunto I ordained a preacher and an apostle. I speak the truth in Christ and I lie not. A teacher of the Gentiles in faith and verity. What is verity? Truth. I will therefore that men pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands without wrath and without what? Without doubting. Yes. Don't doubt it. He's called you apostle. He's called you preacher. He's called you teacher. He's given you what you need. You've got the faith. You know you're like the man with the dumb child sometimes. I'm like the man with the, with the dumb spirit. <laughs> that didn't sound good at all. Never call somebody's child dumb. With the dumb spirit and the child. Sometimes we're like that. I know, I know God, I believe, but can, can you help me with mine? Lift up holy hands. By the way, if anyone ever questions you about that, that's another place. Why do you guys all do this? Because the Bible says it in multiple places. Why? It's surrender to God. God, I surrender. I'm yours. Whatever you need me to do, lift up holy hands and without wrath and doubting, believe. First Thessalonians, Thessalonians, excuse me, 5 and 17, I mentioned it ago, a minute ago, pray without ceasing. What does that mean? You can go throughout your day. You can be in constant conversation with God in your mind and in your heart and even in your words. Go about your day, just talk to God. It doesn't matter if people think you're talking to yourself. Seriously, I, I love that part of it. I was taught that, again, coming up in the church, coming up in faith, talk to God throughout the day. Just have conversation with him. Think about the things that, that, that are godly, and I'm gonna get to that here in just a second in Philippians. And that's under the how to do it method here. That's my second part. First Timothy chapter two. Now you're gonna go a little bit further down to verse eight. It says, I will therefore that men pray everywhere. I said it again, everywhere, lifting up holy hands without wrath and doubting. I'm sorry. I had a different way I was gonna go about that point. Now go to Philippians chapter four. This is under the how to do it section. These are all good words, pastor. What's the practical tactical? How can I make this happen? I'm gonna take you through the word. Philippians chapter four, starting at verse six. Be careful for nothing. What does that mean? Be reckless, be crazy, don't think about things? No, it means don't hold yourself back. Don't allow the doubt to come in. Don't kind of tiptoe your way into these situations. Jesus Christ is bold. He's powerful. That spirit can be powerful in you. I've been on the phone with some of you during the COVID crisis. Hey, can I pray for something? Is everything okay? Yeah, if you, can, if you think about it, can you pray for this and that? And I said, no, let's pray now. I feel it in the spirit now. And we grabbed the phone and we prayed in the spirit right that moment. Right? Amen. Sister Mary, you were in the Oconomowoc Memorial Hospital in the emergency room. They wouldn't let me come in. Dean put the phone on speaker, right? What did we do? We prayed in Jesus' name right there on the spot. We were careful for nothing. Be careful for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. Now think about that. It's prayer, it's supplication and thanksgiving all wrapped up into one. You can do that. Let your requests be made known unto God, and the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and your minds through Christ Jesus. 
What does that mean? It's going to help you to keep peace. It's going to help you to see what's going on around you in your world and not pull you down, not make you depressed, not pull you into the mire or into the arguments. It's going to keep your hearts and mind. Finally, brethren, here we go now. Whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report. Come on now, say good report. When you turn on CNN, is it good report or bad report? How about your radio programs? Good report or bad report? Come on, we're immersing our brains in all this stuff far too often. We're getting sucked into it. Awareness is one thing. Immersion is a whole other ball game. Come on now, right? Whatsoever things are of good report. If there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. Those things which ye have both learned and received and heard and seen in me do. And the God of peace shall be with you. You've seen it. You've seen us pray people through to the Holy Ghost at this altar. You've seen people receive blessing, healing, anointing. You've seen it happen. Those things do. That's what he's saying. Come on, you know me. Jesus is saying, you know what I'm capable of. You know what you've seen me do. Do them. Paul was talking to the Philippians. Come on. He was the greatest apostle in the New Testament. He believed in everything. He was careful for nothing because he knew what God did through him. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, excuse me, chapter 10, starting at verse 3. It says, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. Come on, you know this now. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. Casting down, now in ESV it says arguments. That's what uh, uh, that word means there. Uh, Imaginations, arguments, and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Let me tell you what's happening now. Let me put this in perspective. A whole lot of people were captured in their homes for two and a half months. A lot of frustrations were pent up. There's a lot of things that are being pumped into people's heads about the way they should think and how they should think. And a terrible tragedy. We're coming out of this COVID thing. And a terrible, horrible tragedy happened. Should not have happened. Wickedness was involved in that situation and it killed a man. Right? And people saw that. And then the media got a hold of it and ran with it around the world and spun it all over the place and started telling people how they should think and they should feel about it. Don't you think that as as a citizen of this nation, people looked at that and didn't already know how they ought to feel? It was horrible. Many of us watched that video and wept for a man whose life was expiring right in front of us. But see, what's happened is that strongholds have been set up in these cities. Isn't it amazing? It's all of these cities, big cities, Chicago, Minneapolis, Atlanta, etc. Strongholds, strongholds of wickedness, strongholds of spiritual influence. We're being called. Our weapons are not Facebook. If you're using Facebook as a weapon, put it down. If your social media is a weapon, put it down. The weapons of our warfare are prayer and supplication and thanksgiving and powerful intercessory prayer for our nation. For the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing, and there's some high things, right? These high level spirits that are in there. People on the broadcast are, oh, this is one of them demon believing churches. Oh yeah, yeah, they're out there. 
There's a spirit. If you believe in God, you believe in the other side, and there's a whole lot of influence that's going on from there. And I'm not ashamed to say it, and I'll challenge anybody who wants to uh, debate me on that issue. There's some high things out there that are exalting itself above God, and that's what is happening right now. Bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ and being ready to punish all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. In other words, when you're doing right, when we're completely in line with God, when we have that unity, when we're operating as a unit in perfection and unity, we're seeking God equally, that obedience is going to turn into God moving in these situations. See, the church of God, I'm talking about this church exclusively, I'm just people, I'm talking about Christians, need to unite in this effort. We need to be of the same mind, the same accord, following full truth and being obedient to God because, so he can move. There are conditions in this stuff, by the way. Anybody ever convince you that all of this just comes free and everything's free and God just gives freely? Sure. And then you read the conditions that come along with it. Strongholds in this context are wrong thoughts and perceptions, contradicting the true knowledge of God and the nature of God. These strongholds are expressed in arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against knowledge of God simply means that they're opposing spirits. You've got those of us, greater is he that's in, in me, right? We're greater. There are Christian people, there are people that love God in Minneapolis, for example, There's a greater presence there. You understand what I'm saying? Right now, it's like this. But this is winning because there's not an obedience. There's not a unity. There's not a a thought process being brought into focus on that. And so that lesser power is having its way right now and in all these other cities. It's affecting people. The book of James says that the devils believe and they tremble. The enemy fears a praying Christian. And so you know what the church did? Our ministers and our pastors and evangelists begin going into these cities and starting prayer walks, singing Waymaker, Miracle Worker, Brother Newble down in Milwaukee, my good friend, Brother Newble, thousands of people marching down, prayer walks. Brother Jackson, Victor Jackson went to Minneapolis and began a prayer walk. See, now we're getting it. But unfortunately, I'm just saying, I'm not criticizing, we're a little reactive in this situation. And all I'm saying is, is I think this was an eye-opener for everybody. We can be proactive in this. Never again, never again have to react and move into that situation as the church of the living God. We are the powerful force in this nation and in this world for better and for good. Here's our assurances of that power. And as I said, it is conditional, and I'm getting ready to close. James chapter 5, starting at verse 16. James 5 and 16. Almost done, coming in for landing. It's only 11.15. James 5 and 16 says, confess your faults one to another. What does that mean? Go around and tell everybody all your sins and everything? No. When you're struggling with something, when you're dealing with this stuff, you'll see here in a minute in the Word, it's basically saying, come on now, Brother Meyer and I talk all the time. We come, come together and, and let's say we're just having some struggles with our, just some things in our mind. I'm, I'm dealing with some, some challenges. And so we sit down and talk and I look at him and I say, hey, brother, man, I, I am really struggling with this situation that's going on right now. I'm struggling with my belief or whatever the case may be. And he says, all right, man, I hear you. I go through the same thing. Let me pray for you. And we pray together, confess your faults one to another. In other words, build each other up through that. Be a little bit vulnerable and seek for a better way. And pray one for another that ye may be healed. The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. 
Come on now. What is effectual, fervent prayer? Sitting quietly in your pew, whispering to yourself, not disturbing anybody around you. No. The word fervent is derived from the word fire. And I'm talking about effectual, fiery prayer of a righteous man. Why am I always encouraging you to break the shackles, stand up and shout, let go? I know what's inside you. I know there's people out there that want to come up in here. They just, they want to. I know it. I was there as a young man. I see all those people and just, I could feel God pulling me, but my pride held me back. I thought, oh, I want to go praise. I want to, I could feel it in my bones. I want to jump and shout. But we hold ourselves back for pride or, or we're worried about what somebody else is going to say. I'm not talking about showboating. I'm not talking about ridiculous behavior. I'm talking about effectual, fervent prayer. Gathered together, Sister Matson, this morning and every morning since we've been doing this now since COVID, gathering the people together and leading in effectual, powerful, fervent prayer with her ministry team. I love that. I love it because she's willing to speak out. She's willing to raise her voice and shout. I told you, the word said, amen, amen. You've heard me say it before that when we shout, we shred the air. The enemy is the prince and power of the air. The voice and the sound and the waves and broadcast is his territory. If we sit quietly and whisper to ourselves, he reigns in the air. But if you're willing to stand up and shout, shout the praises, it says in the word of God, people watching on the camera, it says it in the Bible, shout unto God for the victory, shout unto God with a voice of triumph. Why? Because it shreds the air and the enemy runs. Amen. Verse 17 says, Elias was a man subject to like passions as we are. And he prayed earnestly that it might not rain. And it rained not on the earth the space of three years and six months. And he prayed again and the heaven gave rain and the earth brought forth her fruit. Folks, I want to tell you this morning, just like him, now that's Elias is Elijah. What I want to tell you this morning is we've got the ability to stop the rain we can hold the rain off. Come on, are you hearing me now? I'm not talking about water. I'm talking about the rain. I'm talking about the Holy Ghost blowing through this place powerfully, moving on people's lives. Because if we pray like Elijah, we've got the power to bring down the rain what needs to be brought to this place. Here are the conditions, and you can stand with me this morning if I could have our musicians. I told you there was conditions. This ain't just going to come because you say, okay, I'm ready, I'll do it. John chapter 15 and 7 says this. It says, if, if is a conditional word, if you didn't know that. In programming language, those of you in computers, they're called if-then statements. It tells the computer, if so-and-so happens, then you do this. And if this happens, Jesus says to John, if ye abide in me and my words abide in you, ye shall ask what ye will and it shall be done for you. That's a condition to prayer. Did you know that? If you abide in me, what does that mean? Do the things I'm calling you to do. Get into my word. Make it a part of who you are. If you do these things, you shall ask what you will and it shall be done. I told you earlier, you need to have an appointment with God. You need to have your prayer time all the time appointed to God. Give him that first opportunity. We appoint everything else in life. Why not his time? Why not prayer time, right? Same holds for your Bible reading. Same holds for absorbing the word of God. If you want your prayer to work, and trust me, sometime in life, there's gonna be something's gonna happen. 
your child, my, like my daughter, becomes sick. Your finances are crashing. Something's happening with your job. I guarantee you, at some point in life, you're going to want your prayer to be effective. It's coming. It's coming. You might as well get ready. So get a hold of the Word of God and abide in Christ, and what you ask will be done. 1 John chapter 5 and 14 says this, and this is the confidence that we have in Him, that if we ask anything according to His will, He heareth us. And finally, 1 John 3 and 22, and whatsoever we ask, we receive of Him. Why? Because we keep His commandments and do those things that are pleasing in His sight. It's conditional. But it's easy. You just got to do it. We just got to get together. We talk about unity. That's how we're going to be in unity. All of us appointing some time for God in prayer. All of us absorbing his word and focusing on his word. All of us doing according to his will, abiding in him. If we can get more of us to do all of that, then our prayers will be effective and fervent and powerful. And we're going to make a difference in our world. I guarantee it, some folks, I'm I'm telling... Listen, there are no atheists in foxholes. You know what that means? It means those guys in war were pretty tough and pretty strong, and I don't need God anymore. And all of a sudden, the bullets start flying, and the bombs start dropping, and things start happening. You're going to get on your knees in prayer if all of a sudden your house is being torn up in a riot, and they're spray-painting things and lighting things on fire? There's no atheists in foxholes. So at some time, you're going to want your prayer to be powerful and effective. Let's start now. Let's start now. The Spirit of God moving the house like it was today. Shout out to God with a voice of triumph. Get a hold of that power. Pray in the Spirit effectively. In Jesus' name, God, we're so very thankful for your word. Lord, we're putting the clarion call out today to our people. God, I'm obeying your word and your direction to call my people to these words, God. To call my people to a place of prayer and to powerful, effective, fervent prayer, God. I'm putting it out there like you've given me, Jesus. I'm giving them the instruction, God. And I'm pleading with the body of Christ today to get a hold of this thing. Get serious about it. Get that time appointed in prayer. Get that time appointed in in worship. Be willing to drop their pride. Take the shackles off and worship and pray and lift up their voices and shout the enemy out of the air to speak louder than CNN and Fox News and all these other things that are spewing anger and hatred and worry and depression. I cast it out of this place today. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus I cast it away from my people, from this church, from this body. No more depression over this stuff. No more grappling with the things that are happening in our world. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, lift up your voices with me this morning as we worship him. Praise you, Lord. Praise you, Lord. Praise you, Lord. God, we call on you today fervently and powerfully, God. We worship you this morning, God. Oh, put it into our hearts to serve you, to worship you, God, like we should for the sake of our nation, for the sake of those desperate souls that need you today, God. Oh, put it within us this morning, Lord. In Jesus' name. In Jesus. Thank you for listening to this Abundant Life Church podcast. We pray it has strengthened your relationship with God and will continue to be a light unto your pathway to heaven. If you have any questions or comments regarding this podcast, please telephone our ministerial team at 262-965-5177 or email us at info at abundantlifechurch.org. At